0: Does God want to execute his judgment on man? No, that is not his desire. He doesn't look forward to condemning people to an eternal fiery punishment. That is not what God is after. That's why he did what he did when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that man could have access to eternal life. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. As part of today's message, we'll be seeing that the Day of Judgment is near. Many make the mistake and think that because God is all-loving and merciful, He will not judge anyone in the end. But if we read the Bible, we can understand that this is not the case. God is love and He is merciful, but God is also holy and consuming fire. He is both. That is what makes Him perfect. We cannot give in to Satan's lies and the false teachings and doctrines that have been spread throughout. We must cling onto God's truth that is written in the Holy Bible. His word is the truth. Today's message is based on the book of Nahum, chapter 1. Let us pray. Lord God, blessed Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and the glory for yours is the kingdom and the power and the praise and the majesty for all eternity, for there's no one like you, O Lord. Blessed be your name, O Lord God, now and always. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and we pray for your guidance and for your mercy, O Lord. Heavenly Father, give us a heart to understand, to listen. Help us to have an open mind. Help us, O Lord, to be able to take in everything that you want us to take in and understand and apply to our lives. Lord God, we give you thanks for the blessing of your word and for the guidance of your Holy Spirit in whom we can trust for all things. We praise you, we worship you, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Nahum, chapter one. This is the word of the Lord. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. He reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers, Bashan and Carmel, wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts, the mountains quake before him, the hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence, yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him, With an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. For while tangled like thorns and while drunken like drunkards, they shall be devoured like stubble fully dried. From you comes forth one who plots evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus says the Lord, though they are safe, And likewise many, yet in this manner they will be cut down when he passes through. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break off his yoke from you and burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given a command concerning you. Your name shall be perpetuated no longer. Out of the house of your gods, I will cut off the carved image and the molded image. I will dig your grave, for you are vile. Behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. O Judah, keep your appointed feasts, perform your vows, for the wicked one shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. God's judgment on all his enemies is eminent, and there is nothing that can be done to avoid it, and there are no exceptions. None of God's enemies will be able to escape his wrath. It's just simply unavoidable. No one can buy their way out. No one is mighty enough to withstand his wrath. There is no army or weapon that can protect a person against the Lord's anger. It is just plain and simple that God will execute his judgment on his enemies sooner or later. It's only a question of when. Now, the when can be one of two ways, but one of them is eminent. What ultimately brings about God's judgment is the practice of sin. And that's why we can never turn a blind eye to sin. As far as the amount of sin that brings about God's wrath is up to him. He is the one that determines when it's enough. That's why we can never say that those people are bad or what he or she is doing is really evil. Judgment is always reserved for the Lord, but his word teaches us the things that bring about his wrath. We should never be guided by our own opinions regarding wrong and right and how much is bad or not. We should always look to his word and be attentive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to understand sin and how much is too much. But one thing is certain, adopting a lifestyle of sin or practicing sin as it is described in various places in the Bible will not be tolerated by the Lord, especially within his people. As far as the winds, the first wind of God's wrath could be while here on earth. And this can be executed either on a person individually or upon a group of people. There could come a time when God pours out his wrath on his own enemies during a time such as now. There are those that say that God will only do something at the end and that's it. But we know from the Bible that this may not necessarily be so. There are many instances in the Bible where God did shed his wrath on this earth. One of the times that comes to mind is Sodom and Gomorrah where Lot and his family were given the opportunity to flee before God's wrath came. In Genesis chapter 18, we read the following. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it has come to me. And if not, I will know. And so we read that there was so much sin in Sodom and Gomorrah that the outcry rose up to the heavens. So it was not only the sin committed within Sodom and Gomorrah that brought about God's judgment, but the harm and evil they did to others, to those they sinned against. Genesis chapter nine tells us about God's judgment and how it was executed, where it says, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens so he overthrew those cities all the plain all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground there was nothing left not even what grew out of the ground was spared everything was completely consumed by the lord's wrath now if we look at the outcry we saw before this comes from the righteous when they see so much evil and they literally cry out to god for judgment we can see one instance of this when david cries out in psalm 74 where it says o oh god How long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand, take it out of your bosom and destroy them? And so we sometimes make the mistake thinking that God will do nothing to his enemies because we don't see anything happen at the moment or right away because his anger could come. The reason why I say could come is because God desires for all to repent. The Bible says in Psalm 145 that the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. In 2nd Peter chapter 3 it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Ezekiel chapter 18, it says, But if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness he has done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? And so, God is merciful and he looks to shed his mercy on all those that repent and turn away from their sin. That's why he gives the opportunity and that's why we must wait to see what happens. And praise be to the Lord for his mercy and grace because we're all born as enemies of God. In Psalm chapter 51, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Therefore, Not one human being starts in a good place with God. The only difference between young children and the rest is that children, when young enough, do not sin intentionally just out of instinct. But once a young person starts becoming aware of sin and starts committing sin willfully, and we have all been there, then that is where God's anger starts being kindled, if you will. We refer to this as the age of accountability. And trust me, you don't have to be too old to get there. Romans chapter 3 explains, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So not one person is in good standing before the Lord all on their own. And you can never be good enough on your own. We need to remember that God's word is the standard and not our opinion. And this leads us into trying to understand who God's enemies are. What defines a person as an enemy of God? We already started seeing that we don't start off as human beings in a good position before the Lord, yet there is a difference between how we start off and what happens after some time. We are born as enemies of God, but if a person has not yet been exposed to the truth of the gospel, the person is still in a slightly more neutral point than the person that has been exposed somehow to God's word and his plan of salvation. And so a person becomes an enemy of God when they refuse to believe in Jesus Christ, when they reject his word and the plan of salvation. In John chapter three, verse 36, it says, he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Therefore, when there has been rejection for Jesus Christ, God's wrath is abiding upon that person. Now, there is a very practical reason of why this happens, and it has nothing to do with hurting God's feelings, because that's how some people may take it. The practical reason of why God's wrath abides in a person that rejects Jesus Christ is because they're rejecting the only way to salvation. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other way to have your sins forgiven. Think about it like this. Let's say a person has cancer and they're offered the remedy for their cancer, and it happens that the remedy they're offered is the only one available to cure their cancer. What do you think will happen with the person that rejects the remedy? If there is nothing else available to cure them from their cancer, and they're rejecting the only thing that can save them, do you think the cancer is going to go away on its own? Of course not. Chances are that the cancer they have will continue to spread and ultimately take their life. There is no revenge in that, like if rejecting the remedy is going to make the remedy be upset at the cancer patient because it rejected it. It's just simple consequence. That's what happens when a person rejects the lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives and turns away from his forgiveness so they can have access to eternal life. Romans chapter 1 also gives us more insight of what happens when you have individuals or groups of people reject God, where it says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but become futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, all the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And so if a person rejects God's truth, There will come a time where God can stop calling them to salvation and will hand them over to their own devices. No one knows when that line is crossed. Only God knows. But it is certain that a person can exhaust God's mercy. God is merciful. And as we read before, that he is slow to anger and greater mercy. But that doesn't mean that his anger will never come if a person keeps pushing him away willfully. And when that line is crossed, when a person rejects God over and over, God may then hand them over to their intents and desires to just let them keep getting farther and farther away from the truth to the point that they will never find the way to salvation. He may hand them over to their own debased mind where they won't even be able to understand the gospel. And I have seen that happen now more than ever before with people. Our society is drifting so far away from God that to a lot of people, Jesus Christ and God's plan of salvation sounds like something completely foreign and unrelatable, like some sort of fairy tale or ancient superstition. That's how many people see the gospel of Jesus Christ today. You are seen as a person that is either uneducated and or antiquated if you have faith in Jesus Christ. If we go by statistics in the United States alone, according to Gallup in 2016, 73.7% of the total population professed to be Christian. But according to Pew Forum in 2019, the percentage dropped to 65%. In just three years, there was nearly a 9% drop or 25 million people did not consider themselves with Christian beliefs anymore. To put it in perspective, it would be like the entire country of Australia with a population of about 25 million people would have renounced their Christian beliefs over three years. That is the decline that the United States alone is seeing in Christianity as we speak here today. So if we go by that sharp and quick decline, could we not conclude that maybe the United States is starting to experience God's judgment by how he is allowing for such a large group of people to just follow their own desire to depart from them? There is unfortunately a large group of people that are continually pushing to do away with God's word, with his principles, by seeking to do evil rather than good. And just like we read in Romans, that is exactly what is happening in many places today that decide to push away God. And as a result, they decline when morality, looking to justify what is evil and sinful before the eyes of God. And what is worse is that those that call themselves believers and followers of Jesus Christ are supporting such a movement in order to fit in this decadent society that is growing stronger and stronger as time continues moving forward. The error that many people make is that they mistake God's judgment and think that fire and brimstone are the only signs of his wrath, But that is not so. We as a society are starting to experience God's wrath just as we explained before by God just allowing people to do what they want and enabling a world without spiritual awareness, allowing a world full of materialism, decadence, and immorality, ultimately letting people wallow in their deviance and depravity. And at some point, this world will get what it always wanted, a world without God. And when that happens, mankind will experience things such as the world has never experienced before as the things written in the books of the prophets and revelation begin to unfold and become daily realities as they have already started. Just as the prophet Isaiah warned is exactly what is happening today as it is written. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Well, to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. This is one side of the manifestation of God's wrath and the other is quite eminent. And that is when every single person stands judgment before God. If a person has not come to fully repent and convert from all their sins and has not subjected their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they will experience God's complete wrath for all eternity. Jesus himself told us this, and do not fear those who kill the body that cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. There's only one that can do this, and the him he is talking about here is God himself. God needs to be loved, but he also needs to be feared. He is awesome and terrifying at the same time. Don't be fooled by false prophets and teachers, what they put out there, that you don't need to fear God, and they disguise their lack of respect as teachings of love. That is the whole problem that is happening in society, and especially in our Christian society today, that lies have been proliferated throughout the church of Jesus Christ. There is no fear of the Lord. There is only this taking for granted and abusing God's grace and mercy. But make no mistake, God will judge his people, those that call themselves believers and followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear in that every single person will stand judgment and every single person will receive the consequences of their actions, whether good or evil. God will not be fooled. He sees and knows everything. These are the warnings that the Bible gives In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy and the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has been sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And finally, in Second Corinthians chapter five, it says, therefore, we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Notice that everything we have just read is in the New Testament. For those that think that the Old Testament is where God expressed and performed judgments, Now that we're living during the dispensation of God's grace, there is actually greater judgment than before because through Jesus Christ, a door to God has been made completely wide open, therefore getting rid of any and all excuses. There is nothing left for God to do for man to be saved. It was all done by the Lord on the cross. And as such, if the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit is not acknowledged and believed as they should be, then there's nothing left for man than to be condemned to an eternity without God, to be consumed forever and ever together with the devil and his angels. God's plan of salvation is so easy to understand that even a child can commit to it. Just like the Bible says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That is why God's wrath will occur because the only reason for why a person will not be saved is because they have willfully rejected God despite everything he has done and how easy he has made access to eternal life. Whoever rejects the Lord deserves what they have coming to them. Rejecting eternal life and eternal reward just does not make sense, especially when considering that everything else is temporary and uncertain. Having said all of this, Does God want to execute his judgment on man? No, that is not his desire. He doesn't look forward to condemning people to an eternal fiery punishment. That is not what God is after. That's why he did what he did when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that man could have access to eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God will judge the world. He will judge his people. Nothing will be left unknown. He will bring everything to the light and everything will be dealt with. But his true desire is for all to come to the knowledge of salvation, just as it is written. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This one thing that we must always remember, God is a God of love and compassion and mercy but he is also a holy God and he is consuming fire. And with that, there is judgment. Every single person will need to give an account before God someday, whether here and now, but certainly in the not so distant future. Many people think that they have all the time in the world as they live entertained and distracted by Satan's lies and the world's delights. But the truth is that no one knows when their time will be. Anything can happen to anyone at any time. And no matter how safe they think they are, there is nothing that can truly protect them. Safety is an illusion, especially when that safety is based on worldly things. It's like the illusion of safety that is given to passengers on a plane. That somehow the oxygen mass and the life jackets and the inflatable slides are going to soften a free fall at 30,000 feet. If the engines fail or if there is structural damage in midair, gravity, although invisible, becomes quite real at any given point. Your physical end and my physical end can happen in an instant when we least expect it. And if you are not ready at that moment and in a blink of an eye, you can find yourself before God's almighty throne and then what will happen with you? Will you find grace before the Lord God Almighty through the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will you experience God's judgment and ultimately His eternal punishment? God loves you, but salvation from God's wrath only happens when you repent and convert from all of your sins and when you make Jesus the effective and literal Lord of your life by living for Him and for His purpose for your life, by following His commandments, which perpetuate eternal life and eternal reward. Only then can you find safety in eternity by surrendering your life to the Lord. I urge you today that if you have not made that decision yet to surrender your life and your will to the Lord, that you do so, that you start living for the Lord today. Choose today to experience God's love and salvation rather than God's judgment and wrath. Let us pray. Lord, I praise you and I worship you, O God, because you are truly loving and merciful and and gracious in every kind of way. But Heavenly Father, help us to understand and help us to remember that you are also a, a God that is holy and a God that is consuming fire. And you are a God that will judge sin and will judge evil. Help us to understand that our only way out of that is your Son, Jesus Christ. His blood is the only thing that can wash away our sins. But Lord God, help us to understand also that we must obey your word, that we must do those things that you tell us to do, that it is not just about just believing in that's it, but that we must also be convinced that we must follow your truth. We must practice those things that truly please you and bring honor and glory to your name. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that your judgment is real and that it will come someday, sooner or later, and that there is no way out of it. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to be found justified and forgiven through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be found worthy, O Lord, through your mercy, through your grace, through the Lord and Savior that died for us on the cross. Help us, O Lord, to always understand that reality and to live it in our lives. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Letter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.